0: Hello, and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as the insight and analysis on all the topics you're talking about and debating in football. I'm joined, of course, by our transfer guru, Duncan Castles, and Duncan. Breaking news this morning, I understand that there has been contact between Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester United regarding a potential one-season loan deal for their troublesome Brazilian superstar Neymar. Now, I'm told that this would be uh, only a loan deal with no obligation to purchase at the end of the, uh, the, the loan agreement, but there would be a hefty loan fee of 25 million euros just to get the player to Manchester. And also that there had to be an undertaking that Manchester United would have to pay 100%, no subsidised, no subsidised, remember, of his wages, which is also very substantial. Um, So that would be a big outlay for Manchester United for a player who they'd only be having on loan for one season. Now, I have to stress, this has been a conversation. There's been no commitment by Manchester United as yet to whether or not they'd be willing to, enter into negotiation on this deal. However, I think, Duncan, it's interesting uh, in the context of comments from Barcelona overnight that uh, they believe Neymar to to the camp now return is, and I quote, not possible at this time. Do you see this as being some kind of negotiating stance by PSG with regards to where they believe the player will end up, i.e. at Barcelona?
1: I think it's a negotiating stance by PSG in a negotiating stance by Barcelona. um, Whenever you hear uh, a club official being asked about a transfer, um, as one of um, uh, Barcelona's directors was over the weekend, um, and using the phrase, at the moment, um, nothing is happening, uh, you've just got to emphasize the caveat of at the moment. Um, He's not saying nothing is going to happen or we don't want the player. We haven't been working on the player. It's just that that deal isn't um, in effect at present. Uh, We know that Neymar's preference, at least the preference he's expressed to Barcelona, is that he wants to come back to the club and to his former teammates, most notably Lionel Messi. Um, Barcelona have offered something to Paris Saint-Germain which is unacceptable to them in terms of um, not wanting to go over a cash figure of, of uh, £70 million and adding players in uh, that in the hope that they can get them off their own wage bill and, uh, and subsidise that transfer fee, Philippe Coutinho being the, the most notable of the large range of, of players, the tapas board that's been, been offered to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, information I have from Neymar's side, is that he has again told Paris saint and reiterated that he doesn't want to be at the club this season and wants to leave. So you add that into a situation where, um, in the story we brought for you several weeks ago, that Qatar had made a sporting uh, calculation that it would make sense to get Neymar out of the dressing room this summer to cash in on him, to get the wage bill um, elsewhere. Um, and that they were open to selling the player if an offer was right. Add that into a situation where Neymar is, is basically warning Paris Saint-Germain of how difficult he's going to be in this coming season if he, if he doesn't get his move. And this is on the back of two seasons where he's been an extremely difficult player to handle when he has been um, at least uh, verbally committed to the club and, and wanting to perform in the pitch. Imagine how difficult it could become Um, should he feel uh, that Paris have blocked his move this summer, then you get a situation where Paris need to make a deal happen. And and, um, I think a good way to pressure Barcelona um, to make their terms more acceptable in terms of uh, cash uh, and overall value of the deal to Paris Saint-Germain is to bring other players into the market. Manchester United are a great candidate there because Manchester United have just spent um, a considerable amount of time talking to Paolo Dybala, who had been offered to them by um, Juventus as a way of, of, uh, of getting a deal through for Romelu Lukaku. Um, United have shown their willingness to uh, to do kind of unexpected deals by in that process of of talking to Juventus, accepting and putting a deal in place in which not just Dybala, but Mario Mandzukic would come to Old Trafford in exchange for Lukaku, um, were Dybala to accept uh, to come to United, which he has not done. Um, So United are obviously kind of scrabbling around to to do deals at the end of the window. Therefore, if you're if you're trying to pick out a club in European football that has the financial resource to get involved with Neymar, um, and also is strategically um, weak enough, I think is probably the right phrase here to to try and put something together at the last minute, so the final week of the English window. Then they are they're a great candidate. The other option, of course, is Real Madrid. Um, We know Real Madrid have wanted, Florentino Perez has wanted uh, Neymar for a long time. Um, Neymar has been open to that move. That's the club you want to draw into negotiations. I think from Paris Saint-Germain's perspective, the best bidding war is Barcelona versus Real Madrid because there's such a hit there. Um, There is real uh, finances available on both sides and... Neymar is far more likely to choose to go to one of the Spanish clubs than he has to choose to go to um, a club in England, in Manchester, that is, doesn't have Champions League football. So I think that's the process we'll see in, in the coming days. Um, and uh, I think even where United to commit to this loan deal um, with Paris Saint-Germain, uh, the chances of them also persuading Neymar to do it strike me as being low. Because I think if they do commit, that will be immediately be communicated to Madrid and Barcelona um, by Neymar's father. And uh, and those two clubs told, um, now's the time uh, to ensure that you grab the player uh, from Paraguay man because they're ready to do a, a deal on this
0: basis uh, with a club that my son doesn't actually want to go to. It's, I mean, there's no coincidence with the timing of this, Duncan, that's for sure. Uh, PSG know that there's only three days left of the um, transfer window uh, in the Premier League uh, Open. Um, therefore, uh, any transfer inward to uh, England becomes impossible uh, after Thursday this week, and um, it's, it smacks a little bit of desperation in terms of uh, they clearly want to get the player out, as you've said. And and of course, as Julio Gomes Filho told us in the podcast, uh, the spoilt child of Brazilian football um, is likely to behave even more badly this season if he doesn't get what he wants, which is the move to Barcelona. Um, what Paris Saint-Germain don't have right now, and clearly what they're trying to create, is a market for a player whom they believe and has told them indeed that he doesn't no longer wants to be uh, at the club. In doing so, obviously they try to force the hand of the likes of, as you said, um, Duncan, Barca, or Real Madrid, um, into acting um, on the basis that uh, they may lose out. Uh, I think with three days left in this window, um, the complications in terms of a contract. The details of things like commission, image rights, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as well as the insurance. And this is something which maybe a lot of people don't realise. A player like Neymar, the highest valued player in the world, comes with a whole caveat of different um, rules and regulations regarding his employment. And insurance is a big one. He'd have to be uh, insured uh, in, uh, individually away from the normal uh, insurance policy which covers all Manchester United players because of his value Um, and things like that just can't be sorted out necessarily in a day or in five hours or whatever. So with the clock ticking, I do think that Paris are being a little bit opportunistic with regards to making the call at Manchester United and also on the back of the fact that Manchester United have looked very amateur discussing uh, the swap deal for of Lukaku and Mandzukic um, I'm told the conversations have been going on for more than eight days now. And it's taken that amount of time to discover that Dybala isn't actually very keen to play at Manchester United. And Manchester United are not keen to pay the players' wage demands or the commission to his agent and brother Gustavo. So these are the kind of things that you would usually find out quite early on in the negotiation. And and United's transfer policy, as we've said many times, is a bit shambolic. This does not reflect well on them either. don't get me wrong, the idea that they could possibly but unlikely do Neymar on loan for a season would be very, very attractive in terms of placating Manchester United fans. But as I said, I, I think it's one which, given the complications, given the players' desire to go to Barcelona, if they were to enter into some kind of negotiation with uh, just 72 hours left and failed, then that's a PR blunder too far, probably, for Manchester United. Um Duncan, do you think? I mean, obviously we know that Debala is now. We believe it is not going to happen unless uh, some major change happens. What about Manzukic? Is there still a chance he might come to Old Trafford?
1: Just, just one thing to add there in the complexities of the paperwork. What I'd note is that I've, on numerous occasions I've had agents complain to me that Manchester United very slow at getting deals across the line, at doing paperwork, getting contracts fixed. And, you know, we've got very um, blatant evidence of that in terms of David De Gea uh, failed departure to Real Madrid several seasons ago, where you know uh, two deals had to be done simultaneously, with the Kaeler Navas coming as as part of that deal, uh, and the contractual uh, elements from Navas not being started till so late in the day that they didn't manage to get everything uh, bedded in and done and through and put through the uh, FIFA EMS system into time to complete the deal. So, so we should sh- certainly factor that in. Um, to what you're saying about the, the complexities of bringing Neymar there, and we should also factor in that they, they still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know that, that, that they were, have been talking to Juventus about Cela Lukaku, who is a you know very expensive, um, well-paid player who wants out um, going forward. Uh, that you know they really need to get that deal across the line. Then they, they bring in the possibility of Dybala and Mandzukic together. So that's two more deals. Nothing done in midfield. Um, they seem confident that they're not going to lose Paul Pogba. Therefore, they that they, they won't have to do as much restructuring in midfield as, uh, as they would have had to done had Pogba been able to force his move. Although they do leave themselves open there to um, the remaining three weeks uh, until the end of the, the Spanish transfer window um, with the possibility of Pogba agitating to get out because he knows he could still get a move to um, Madrid or elsewhere, um, even though it would leave United in a difficult position in terms of not being able to replace. So, so there's a lot on the table there. Um, it's not clear um, where Mandzukic stands, um, whether they're prepared to do that as a, as a separate deal without Dubala. Certainly that Juventus will be very keen to do that. I think Juventus will a. Certain- I basically uh, took the opportunity here to throw Mandzukic into the transaction um, because, as we told you in the podcast, they, they, they've actively been trying to get Mandzukic out of the club. Uh, he's a difficult player to manage. Um, someone that Allegri did manage to keep uh, in check and, and, uh, and productive for Juventus, but did so at the cost, ironically, of of, um, of reducing Val's playing time the problem they have with with Dubala at present. Um, that United are are considering taking Mandzukic as a as a presumably as a backup to Rashford because Solskjaer has banked a lot on Rashford being his first choice number nine, I find interesting because you wouldn't really need to do much homework on the player to realise that he's not an individual who's happy being a reserve. Um, and a second choice striker. So, um, regardless of what the negotiations have been with Mandzukic in terms of his playing role, I think the actual um, the actuality of having him in the squad uh, and trying to manage him day to day once he realises that he's not going to be a starter in every game would be would be difficult for them. So, we I think we wait and see on that. Inter are, are intimating that they are going to come back with a. a, a an improved bid for Lukaku. Um, United need one of those two clubs to come up with a, a solution that they're prepared to accept. And you, I guess the question would be whether United get the money they've been hoping to get for Lukaku at the end of this, um, given that Dabala seems to have been uh, out
0: of the equation now. Well, it was a case of buy one, don't get another one free really with Mandzukic, wasn't it? You're right. I mean, it was a case where Juventus wanted to uh, get Mandzukic out of the club and they saw an opportunity to try and uh, do that with Manchester United. Um, I don't think uh, we'll see Mar Mandzukic at Old Trafford unless, of course, Romelu Lukaku does leave. But again, clock's ticking, Duncan. And, you know, these deals, they should have been done by now. That's the thing. I think I that Every season, you know, we talk about the last three, four days of the window, and big clubs who should, should have gotten their business done by now. They should have been able to identify attainable targets and done their business and had them in pre-season. Never mind waiting until the last week of the window uh, to try and get them in. This should all have been sorted, and I, you know, I just find it very, very um, uh, odd and. I guess, frustrating for the coaches involved that they're still waiting, playing musical chairs, effectively, with um, several different potential incoming players and players going out, but with very little time left to get this done. And what we learned, Duncan, of course, from uh, Mr. Pochettino's transfer tantrum uh, last week regarding his position and exactly how much he has in terms of um, control over transfers, is that even though... The coach identifies the player, uh, he tells the club that's the one he wants, etc, etc. There is no actual input from the head coach, and this represents probably almost every um, manager or head coach in the Premier League, whereby they're dependent on the administrators of the club to do the negotiating, to get contracts signed, etc, etc. While the coach themselves is simply sitting, waiting on a phone call saying, good news, Maritzi, we've got that striker you wanted, and that, must be very, very frustrating, and, and quite scary as well when you get to this stage 72 hours before the window closes, as I said, effectively, and you're still waiting on key positions being filled for your team for next season.
1: Yes, and, and Tottenham are working on a lot of positions simultaneously. They've obviously they've they've had Tanguy and in, for over a month, some interesting comments from Pochettino about Belly's progress and, uh, and basically warning people that he's not going to be at the level um, he expects him to be or, or others would expect him to be when he starts the Premier League season and saying you know there's a long adaptation process involved with these players coming to a new league for the first time and, and kind of pointedly saying it's harder for a new player coming in when he's the only new player coming in. Um, are the only player who's come in so far in in the window so um, you've got this very established squad incredibly established squad in in Tottenham's case because they obviously did no transfers at all last season and then there's the one new boy who arrives um, who is on very high wages compared to the rest of the squad and transfer fee uh, tagged to him and uh, and an expectation on him to um, to merit those things from from the, the incumbent players but Tottenham yeah working on a lot of stuff simultaneously as we, we told you Bruno Fernandez um, they went to Lisbon last week to open negotiations they made at least a couple of bids the latest information from um, Sporting's end as the Tottenham's offer has gone to €50 million Euros guaranteed and €10 million in performance bonuses. Um, Bruno Fernandes himself has been told that he will be allowed to leave if a club reaches €60 million Euros plus bonuses. So essentially, I, as we, we talked about with Sergio Crotinus, the, the president of Sporting wants to be able to say to the fans, I got the transfer fee that um, I said... I would get for you for this player. Um, The uh, brother-in-law of Fernandes is uh, saying he expects it to happen with Tottenham um, in the next couple of days, very much emphasising that Tottenham are front runners. But uh, as we told you on that podcast, George Mendes, Jesty Futi are now involved in uh, the selling of the player. They've been brought into that process by Sporting because they were worried they weren't going to get a buyer for the player. Um, Mendes is in Manchester today, um, so there is the possibility that Bruno Fernandes will be marketed to Manchester United, who have said they have an interest in the player, but have also briefed consistently that they've made no move for him. Sporting um, also uh, adhere to that line. We've had no offer from Manchester United for the player. But if you're going to bring... Uh, as we were talking about with Neymar, if you're going to bring a competitive bidder in uh, with the deadline, you know Tottenham want him, you know you've almost got the price that the selling club wants, you know the selling club wants uh, to move that player on, you know the player wants to move, that's, that's prime territory to bring another buyer in. So I'd be very surprised if um, Jesse Footy don't try and get United involved uh, today in those discussions. Um, they have Tottenham, I am told, uh, from Spain, have agreed a fee for Giovanni Lo Celso. That's something that's been in operation for a long time. We told you back in May about the initial uh, approach to Betis for Lo Celso. Uh, the, the contract has been agreed with Los for quite some time. Tottenham have been pushing that move for quite some time, trying to get to the figures uh, Betis wanted. I'm told the agreement is for an initial €52 million euros with uh, a further €8 million of performance-related variables. I'm also told that you will have, you will have seen some uh, comment from Spanish press that the deal has not been completed. Uh, the guidance I have is that's because Betis are briefing that to the local press because they want to look like hard negotiators in this deal, um, the, the figure of uh, 60 million, all in, including bonuses, is not particularly attractive to uh, the Betis fans. So uh, the, the the indication is that they're they're, they're trying to uh, pretend that it's, it's going to be a drawn out process, but actually they know who wants to go to Tottenham. They have the financial agreement in place, so you can expect that one. Um, to go through. Uh, the question then is, do Tottenham do Fernandez as well? Um, obviously, that's what Pochettino wants. Um, we told you some time ago, strategy going into this window, two central midfielders, two new central midfielders, a number 10 would be Los Celso. Um, ideally, a new attacker who can play all the way across uh, the line. Uh, left back, they've been working on Ryan Sessignon. Um, and if possible, uh, a higher quality right back. Um, that's what Pochettino wants. They've been working on those deals. question is, does Daniel Levy implement all three of those midfield players? And I think a big element in whether he, he implements all three of those and something that Sporting have been mentioned mentioning is that they have a problem uh, selling Christian Eriksen and therefore uh, raising revenue from Eriksen's sale
0: uh, to put towards... Um, one or more of these deals I feel suspect Duncan that um, Mercy Pochettino uh, you know is messaging Daniel Levy the scan pictures of uh, Delhi Alley his hamstring at this moment in time because uh, the bad news for Tottenham fans is it looks like uh, Delhi may be out of the first few weeks of the Premier League campaign making the necessity for that number 10 even greater um, I would suggest but um, I agree with him, Christian Eriksen. I spoke to um, someone close to him and close to uh, his uh, representatives yesterday. And uh, I have to say that I, I, from the discussion I had, I conjured up the rather um, sad image of Christian with a, a little shovel trying to dig an escape tunnel out of Tottenham without actually knowing where he was digging his tunnel to. Because uh, at this moment in time, there are no offers, uh, firm offers for him Um There has been interest in him, but with uh, no financial upfront offer as yet for Ericsson, who, of course, put himself in the rather um, uncomfortable situation of making it clear in public that he wanted to leave Tottenham Hotspur this summer. Um, Ericsson, uh, from what I gather, is quite a sensitive personality. Uh, so it took a lot, first of all, for him to make that statement. That was a bold statement when you don't actually have a club to go to. Um, but secondly, he does not relish the idea of you know going back to Spurs with his tail between his legs, as it were, and playing the first game of the season uh, next Saturday. The window closed and him still being there and the fans looking at him as if to say, well, why are you even here? You wanted to leave. Um, with regards to, um, yeah, as I said, Los Celso, that sounds like... a, a Basically, a replacement for Erikson anyway. So um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Daniel Leveridge does actually do all three players. Well, we know he's done in, de- in Dembélé, obviously, but um, Lo Celso and um, Bruno Fernandez as well. But uh, with George Mendes being in Manchester, Duncan, um, I think you know there's no uh, sort of way that we could not sort of speculate that perhaps the long, long, long saga of David de Gea's new contract is on the agenda there. But um, also maybe uh, incoming, outgoing at Manchester City. Yes, I think um, I think
1: the improved offer from from there is a is a factor in uh, Mendes being in Manchester. But yeah, as you point out, there's there's plenty of other business that he's involved in. The Jean Cancelo um, Danilo switch between Juventus uh, and Manchester City is still under works. Um, still needs to be completed. I think uh, um stance on Manchester United, with Manchester United briefing that they, they have pulled out of that deal, um, makes Cancelo's sale more important to Juventus because they, as we've told you, they need to raise cash um, uh, in this window to uh, pay uh, for some of the big deals they've done recently with Cristiano Ronaldo, Mathias de Ligt, uh, the, the two highest earners. Um, at the club following their, their transfers in consecutive seasons. And if they do want to try and get Lukaku without being able to involve Dabala in the deal, they're definitely going to need as much money as possible out of the Cancelo transfer um, to put towards um, whatever offer they can make to United as an alternative to enter. We, you know, we explained to you how that, that has... A lot of elements in Italy in terms of the compet- not just the competition between the clubs for the Serie A title, Juventus wanting to keep Inter in their place and, and ensuring they get a, a ninth consecutive title there, but also the, the dislike there is for Antonio Conte, Inter's new manager, um, from Andrea Agnelli, the, the principal owner of Juventus and the history that Beppe Marotta, the sports director at Inter, has at Juventus and and the, the rivalry that is there. So lot, lots of elements in play with that one. Also, there is a deal uh, that's been under discussion between Monaco and Manchester United for a Monaco teenager, um, uh, Hannibal Mejbri, um, which could uh, be done um, in those meetings. Um, but I think overall, a factor we have to, you know, talking about the problems Manchester United and Tottenham have, a factor we have to to mention again is the fact that the Premier League clubs have handicapped themselves in this market and that their deadline is this week. Um, Spain and Italy can go into the beginning of September before they do deals. And there's um, you know, so a comment from Andrew Villas-Boas Um the Olympic Marseille manager talking about recruitment he was trying to do for uh, his new club in France. And he said, I'm waiting anxiously for the Premier League market to close. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that once the Premier League clubs are taken out of the equation and players that he wants to pursue, the prices will come down for Marseille. Um but in addition, United are trying to do these. United, Tottenham in particular are trying to do these deals, very significant, very high value deals, in a short period of time with competing clubs. And you have um, Atletico Madrid, for example, who are keen to sign an attacking midfielder, um, sitting on able to sit on the sidelines, wait and watch and see what deals, um, what the highest price. Tottenham or Manchester United will go to for a certain player and then decide whether they come in and take that. And if Tottenham, Manchester United can't complete for uh, the the player in question, knowing that they're going to have another three weeks to negotiate with a club who have already indicated their intention to sell that player. Uh, So I don't think you can can, um, underestimate just how big a handicap this is Uh, the Premier League is playing with, and I'm surprised they've gone into a second season this way. Obviously, it's nicer for the coaches to have their squad completely set out before um, the season actually starts and not have to talk about um, incoming transfer uh, speculation or discussions and press conferences once the season starts. In terms of of, of competing head-to-head with clubs that they're taking on
0: for the Champions League or the Europa League, it's, it's, it's not a sensible way to go about things. Well, just on that point, Duncan, I was in conversation with the uh, head of recruitment at a big European club last week and uh, the subject of England's early transfer window closing came up and he said basically everyone he speaks to in Europe are basically laughing their socks off at England for handicapping themselves in this way for a second season. Um, con- consecutively because it, it's just madness that they rule themselves out of the ability to deal with the rest of the market open um, for another five weeks. And then he said, of course, you're probably going to uh, come out of Europe with, without a deal from uh, the European Union anyway, so maybe this is your football version. <laughs> it's <your> pro- <laughs> the, the prototype of Brexit, he said. <laughs> Perhaps that's that's what your your uh, clubs are trying to do is show that maybe it can be done with an actual fact. Uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So um, there you go. That's the view from Europe, as far as this transfer window is cons- concerned.
1: Are you trying to say that Boris Johnson
0: is an even less competent negotiator than Ed Woodward here? That would be some competition. I'd love to see. I'd pay. I'd pay to watch that one. <laughs> Maybe they could swap jobs and see who does does worst. watch Now, before we wrap this uh, particular episode up, Duncan, you've got some good news for fans of the uh, East End Irons. Is it correct? If they have managed to complete a deal for a promising young Portuguese defender.
1: Yes, um, they've, they've agreed uh, a transfer fee with Boa Vista for um, their 18-year-old centre-back, Gonzalo Cardoso, who's a Portuguese under-19 international, has been playing Boa Vista already um, last season uh, and I'm told will come into the West Ham United squad not as a under-23 player or reserve player, but to be the first choice centre-back. Um, and a kind of development centre-back under Manuel Pellegrini um, told that uh, he, he's pretty much got a lot of the elements you'd expect from a, from a top-rated centre-back these days. And, and probably the thing he's lacking um, is uh, a, an aggressiveness on the ball, an aggressiveness in, a, in, his, in his play. Um, and obviously, uh, the Premier League is a good place to develop that because he, you won't get away with not having that for very long um, playing as a, as a central defender in the Premier League um, fee of three million euros um, so if he does turn into anything like the player that people expect he could do then um, an absolute uh, bargain in terms of the pricing of centre-backs in the, in the Premier League these days. And he is um, hes flying to London today to take his medical. So that deal, assuming uh, the medical goes well, should go through uh,
0: later today. And we go. Another example of the news before it becomes news uh, for all our listeners. It's Monday's podcast, which means we're going to do Heroes and Villains. And Duncan, I'm going to turn it over to you for the villain because it's one of your kind of favourites. <laughs> Um, I, think, I think the villain this week in Kevin Weir,
1: the Transfer Window podcast has to be uh, Pep Guardiola um, going into the community shield and taking a grave offence at Jurgen Klopp um, for suggesting that Manchester City spend a lot more money in the transfer market than uh, just about any other club in Europe. Um, Guardiola said it bothers him um, and he doesn't like it. And, and uh, as, uh, one of his reasons why he didn't like it was that he, he said, last season we spent £17 million on just one player. Um, so £17 million, he must have um, have some secret access to uh, the side deal that Leicester City did with um, with Manchester City to, to let Riyad Mahrez um, come to the club for a fraction of, of the money that everyone believes he came to the club. Um, and the idea of just one player, so poor um, Pep Guardiola, had been deprived and fighting against the odds um, last season, um, given that his squad uh, was the most expensive by a margin In the entirety of world football in terms of transfer fees committed to building it and at Manchester City since um, the takeover by Abu Dhabi have spent significantly more money on transfer fees than any club in world football. The best part of one and a half um, billion euros. Um, It takes um, some uh, guts to, to stand in front of the press and claim that you're hard done by and, uh, and restricted in the, in the transfer market um, when you actually have the best resources
0: of a manager uh, in world football ever at that time for that season he was complaining about. And of course he also said, Duncan, that he couldn't afford Harry Maguire, which is why they didn't buy him. Now, I th- my interpretation of that was not he couldn't afford Harry Maguire's transfer for you. It was that he couldn't afford Harry Maguire and John Stones in the same defence. That was my interpretation.
1: I I hadn't thought of that. He did say he was a very fine player, but um, I I suspect that his comments about Harry Maguire have more to do with uh, this upset he has about... um, being accused of spending lots of money in the transfer market and trying to play the, the poppers card. Um, so it's easy for him to say he would like that Maguire when he knows Manchester United have uh, spent that ridiculous fee to buy the player. Um, it would be far more interesting, as you say, to have seen Harry Maguire and John Stones uh, play together in Manchester
0: City's defence under, under Pep Guardiola. Well, never mind the pauper's card. He got a yellow card for uh, descent towards the fourth official at Wembley on Sunday in the Community Shield. And also, the very um, animated exchange on more than one occasion with Jurgen Klopp. I'm not sure if that was um, about you know players' purchases or whether or not he was inviting him to his restaurant in Manchester tasked for, uh, for some tapas. Perhaps we can find out if uh, Jurgen wants to call in and let us know. Um, my hero, uh, slightly unlikely hero this, this uh, Monday for me, I'm going to go with Kyle Walker. Of Manchester City, you might think it would be for that incredible acrobatic clearance and keeping the ball up the Manchester City net, and it is a little bit, but it also brought I think into focus his wonderful new haircut in which he is emulating that of his gaffer Pep Guardiola by having his head shaved, uh, embracing I think what might be called um, his oncoming baldness, but also perhaps, and maybe he's emulating David Silva who also shaved his head uh, it looked like, in honour of his gaffer. Um And of course, many got more game time. So if it's a ploy, uh Kyle Walker, to get yourself back into the team, then uh, we definitely congratulate you on that. And you have earned this week's hero status on the Transfer Window podcast.
1: David Silva had his best season ever when he shaved his head.
0: That's why That's why you have to go. Embrace Proof. the baldness. <coughs> exactly. And you remember when Jose Mourinho won his first title, at Chelsea, he came back into a second season with his head shaved and said, this is my going-to-war haircut. <laughs> so that was, a, I think, a uh, warning to his players that he was not going to go easy on them after winning the first championship in 50 years. So there we go. It all ties in. It all ties in. Now, we know you love to uh, continue the debate with us. Uh, you can do so, obviously, on our uh, own Twitter handle, which is at TransferPodcast. You can do it individually with Duncan and I. Duncan's at Duncan Castles, and I'm at Garbo SJ. If you like what you hear, please just give something back with a five-star review on iTunes, and that helps us enlarge the community, which, by the way, is enlarging day by day, week by week. We have over 20,000 listens in the last month, so we know that you guys like what you're getting. And of course, we love to deliver it for you. That's all for this particular episode. We shall see you through the transfer window, which of course is still open, people. See you then. Thanks for listening.